Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. I am one of your hosts, Bill D'Alessandro. And this week, we've got a really cool deal. Uh, it is a chain of Cricket wireless stores in Chicagoland. So we start talking about uh, these, these, this business specifically, and Michael and I get into a wide-ranging discussion of franchising dynamics, uh, geography dynamics, uh, and kind of the future of the cell phone industry. Um, so it's a really good one. Uh, a couple asks for y'all before we dive into it. Uh, if you could please go on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are sold and leave us a review if you like it. It really helps us uh, to get more listeners for the pod. Uh, I also want to say thank you to our sponsor, Live Oak Bank, for this episode. Uh, if you are doing an SBA loan, I would highly recommend you go to Live Oak. They do the most SBA loans in the country, I believe. Uh, I personally have worked with them a couple times, and they're great people. They're really fast and professional. Um, so use Live Oak if you're looking for an SBA loan. Uh, with that, let's get into this week's episode. This episode is sponsored by Live Oak Bank, the number one SBA lender in the country by dollar amount. Uh, but they're more than the top SBA lender. They also provide USDA and conventional financing, tailoring each loan to their customers' unique needs. Whether you're looking to buy or expand a business, let Live Oak be your financial guide. With Live Oak, you get a partner who believes in your success and is willing to take the journey alongside of you. Live Oak's M&A financing experts lend across many industries nationwide. They also have over 30 industry-specific teams whose lenders are experts in industry-specific small business loans. Some of these include healthcare, seniors housing, and service contractors as well. With their dedication to efficiency, collaboration, and in-depth knowledge of M&A financing, they'll take you where you need to go. Visit liveoakbank.com slash AA and make sure that's a lowercase a and another lowercase a to connect with a lender today. So again, that's liveoakbank.com slash AA with two lowercase a's uh, to find out more about Live Oak and to connect with the lender there and tell them that the Acquisitions Anonymous folks sent you along. Thanks a bunch. All right, Michael, I'm psyched for another episode of Acquisitions Anonymous. The hurricane is bearing down on us here on the East Coast. You are safe and dry uh, in Texas. Mirko is safe and dry in South America. Um, so I'm here in my storm jacket, but we've got some uh, an interesting deal today. Uh, Michael just dug this one up. Introduce it to us, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we do, this morning we were texting for, for our listeners. We were texting with Mills. And Mills is like, I can't make it today. And for those of you who don't know, Mills is in the roofing business in the southern half of South Carolina. And so the immediate like image that came to mind, and I don't know if this movie's something you're in something you've seen, but Smokey and the Bandit, are you familiar with this this movie? Bill? Yeah. Yep. There's a scene in Smokey and the Bandit 2 where there's like this massive trucker convoy that comes in to save the day. And that's what I imagine Mills's day is like today. Cause he's got to be just loading up everything and headed down to Florida to make as much money as possible in like the next two months. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping it goes awesome for Mills. But anyway, I just wanted to share with yep. you that image from Girdley brain that happened this morning. And it was just like, Oh, let's go, let's go eastbound and yep. down. Let's sell some roofs, go mills, make some money. That's what I, that's what I had to say. This is like the, the curse or the, the laugh, the joke of being in business is like the hurricane hits. And all I can think of is mills and like our friend guesswork investing from Twitter that owns a tree service. Like yeah. every tree guy and roof guy in the whole Southeast flocks to Florida to make as much money as they can uh, every time a hurricane hits. And that's like all I'm thinking of. So I saw a hilarious TikTok this morning because, uh, you know, that's what I do on Friday mornings. So I'm on TikTok and this young lady creates a TikTok and she's like, she's like, everybody says pray for Southwest Florida. But hey, this is all I see. 
check out my Tinder. And she just shows us like all the, <laughs> these shots from Tinder that are like dudes hanging from the sides of light poles, like fixing roofs, like, like 25 year old, like worker men have single, have all descended upon Southwest Florida and are suddenly all on Twitter. And she was, or on Tinder. And she's like, hallelujah. Like the cavalry has arrived. <laughs> Awesome. So I guess it's like the North Dakota oil, oil field camps and everything. Like all these single dudes are transient and in for a couple of weeks. It is a weird place. North Dakota for sure. Okay. So, and then today's uh, deal selection is I played biz by sell roulette. I opened up biz by sell and I clicked on the first deal that they showed me. And that's the one we're doing. Like this is the best radio ever anyway. Okay. So what this one is, is it's in Chicago. And this deal is a rapidly growing chain of six Cricket wireless franchise cell phone stores. So it has a picture of a Cricket, arguably in an interesting thing. I don't know if you notice this from the picture build next to a Radio Shack. So it makes me wonder how <laughs> all these pictures, <laughs> how all these photos are, because Radio Shack went out of business like four years ago, and it's now owned by Ty Lopez or whatever and his team. So. So it is what it is. But I think so behind this is when you see an AT&T wireless store or you see a cricket store or a Verizon store, most people don't know that those aren't actually run by AT&T, Verizon or cricket or whoever, T-Mobile. A lot of those are run by independent chains of operators who just run those stores. And what AT&T and all those guys figured out is, man, it is much more efficient if we contract with third parties to do this, just like FedEx outsources its routes and Amazon outsources their routes as well to small entrepreneurs who are just much more efficient than their big corporation is. So that is what this is. This is Cricket has gone and, uh, and gone and created these relationships with an independent franchisee. Then the craziest thing is some of these brands, they don't even actually own their network, right? So are you familiar with this? This as well, Bill? Yes, yes. The acronym yeah. MVNO, right? Yeah. Yeah. A virtual, a virtual network Mo operator. Mobile virtual network operator. Yeah. So basically uh, yeah. they they're just a branding arm, a branding and a customer service arm that sits between the customer and somebody else's network. So they might be in the background using AT&T or T-Mobile's network. You don't even really know. And I think Cricket is one of those and it's a brand if and I'm not a customer, but it's a down market brand that kind of targets lower consumption, lower price point folks that an AT&T or one of the flagship brands don't actually want to they can't do that and not pollute their their flagship brand. So anyway, um, that is that is all I know about uh, mobile networks. So, so <laughs> cricket, I, I do know that for the longest time, T-Mobile and Sprint were like the biggest sellers of wholesale minutes. So these guys like Cricket, like Boost Mobile, um, there's a couple other brands. What they do is they buy millions of minutes in bulk on yeah. T-Mobile network and then they resell them. Um, so their cost of goods is minutes, right, and data. And then whatever revenue they get by selling plans. So it's an interesting model. Um, yeah. So these guys, this is the, but this is not Cricket itself. This is the franchised Cricket retail stores. Correct. Yeah. You are under contract to resell Cricket and service their customers and phone like that. So, um, so business wise, they're asking 1.2 million and cash flow is 400,000. So they have six stores and they're doing 1.2 million. Man, is that? Or I guess we don't have revenue. Okay, cash flow is four hundred eight thousand. So it seems like each store is generating sixty to seventy thousand a year in cash flow. Um, gross revenue they don't tell us. EBITDA they don't tell us. FF and E they don't tell us. Rent is three thousand dollars per month, which doesn't make sense. Uh, I even well, it is Chicago. 
anyway, <laughs> I don't know. But 3000 per month seems like about what they would pay per store and not for all six stores. And they've been in business since 2012. Um, and as an aside, like I read once about, uh, there's one of the operators of these kind of stores for AT&T that is so good that they have like a thousand plus of these little stores, um, all over the country, like just a huge business of being a franchise partner of AT&T. Um, so some people have made a ton of money and these guys have done okay. They started in 2012, um, business description best for an EB five visa permanent residency card in six to 12 months. Let's put a pin in that. Cause we should come back to that. Cause we've never talked about that on the, on the podcast before. Uh, but the, <laughs> the key word when you see EB five is China. It's very interesting. Okay. Uh, three years of strong tax return over 14 full-time employees, fast growing yearly sales volume, strong net income of $34,000 per month. So does that math work? 34,000 to 408. Yeah, that's right. Um, current owners spent lots of money for all repairs and improvements. Uh, and like it, Bill, like any good business listing, everything on this listing is in all caps, which to me just emphasizes we are serious about business. <laughs> <laughs> this is a professional business broker. Uh, okay. Location, Chicago, Illinois, Illinois, uh, inventory, not including asking price. The real estate is all leased. So you don't get any real estate with this deal. Each location appears to be 1500 square feet, 14 total employees, um, which is fascinating to me. Um, that they have six locations and only 14 employees. Oh, six locations, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's per location. Um, I mean, if you look at like a typical fast food or retail operation, like I think most people don't understand how many people like a McDonald's employs. Like, like yeah, a lot of them are getting 15 Because they're all part-time. Like yeah. Uh, like, yeah, they're all like, part-time. They're not all there all the time. So you need like a fleet of them, right, to cover all the hours. I mean, it, yeah, of everything I'm involved in, like the business that employs the most people is our, you know, retail coffee business. And it's like, it's like, cause each store employs like 40 people, like, and they're not full time and they're transient and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, wow. it's amazing. How, yeah. And like, uh, have you seen how much a typical Chick-fil-A hires? I forgot the exact number, but it's like 150 yeah, people. It's like 150 people. For one Chick-fil-A. For one Chick-fil-A. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So I mean, at a, at a red runner coffee, how many people are in the store? How many employees are in the store at one time? Uh, between one and six. But you need 40 on staff yep. on payroll. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. Cause some people are only working two days a week. Um, you know, then there's like, you know, we're open 5 AM to 8 PM. So then you're, you're shifting that out as well. Uh, so all of that is like, mm -hmm. You know, you could run two shifts in a day, basically. Then there's people that only show up during the busy times, uh, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, on a on a payroll active at any given time will be that you know that many. Wow, uh, cool. All right, wow. back to so, the deal. So to you, 14 employees seems really light. It's like, wait, what? You're doing what? Doesn't make sense. Uh, and every time I go into the, my local AT and T store, there's like four people, five people standing around. Um, and again, that's, that's probably cause it's a corporate one, but even still, like, I don't know how you run this business with six locations with only 14 people being open seven days a week. Just doesn't make sense. Uh, but we'll get back there. Maybe that's just one that would make more sense if it's just per location. Um, competition, they, uh, instead of listing the competition bill, they say fast growing business. So yay. I don't know what that means. All caps <laughs> growth and expansion, higher weekly and monthly franchise fees for more numbers of stores. They are willing to sell or finance. I think that's what this means. It says financing 50%. 
and they will train you for three to six months. And the reason for selling is the most Chicago reason ever. Uh, the, I guess number two, number one, most Chicago reason ever would be unions slash the mafia is putting me out of business. Number two is I'm leaving Chicago. So it, it turns out the reason for selling here is number two, relocation to other state. And the business is an established franchise uh, located throughout kind of Chicago land area. And they give us a picture here of the actual stores. So if you're on YouTube, like it's just basically 1,800, 1,500 square feet uh, inside of these, uh, individual, um, kind of strip centers around the Chicago land area. And here, I think they give us better numbers here, Bill, 108,000 a month in gross income. So I guess that's, they're doing 1.2 million a year. So about 200,000 per store gross expenses are 74,000 a month and net income is 34,000 a month across six stores. And then they actually give us sales per store, um, of all of these. And it's pretty interesting. There are two stores that are massive outperformers and then the other ones look like they're barely breaking even. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think? Are you ready? Are so you ready to be in the cricket wireless thing in Chicago? So there's a couple, I mean, no, I'm not ready to be in any business in Chicago for the, <laughs> the aforementioned reasons. <laughs> um, but I mean, in general, so it looks like all these are in strip malls, right? So you're, you probably don't need to be in like the nicest, fanciest strip mall. Mm-hmm. You probably got to only be open nine to five, right? Or nine to six or eight to six or something, right? Like this isn't a restaurant. It's not an all night business. Um, you are, you don't really have any uh, cost of goods or inventory, right? So I imagine like you're basically just handing out phones uh, or selling minutes or plans, right? So it's probably pretty capital light. Um, you don't have to worry about all your marketing because Cricket does it for you. It's a franchise. I don't hate the business model itself. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's probably some recurrence. I don't know how Cricket pays you. I, what do you think, Michael? Do you think they just pay you like an origination fee per contract plus you sell the accessories? You think that's how it's structured? I would be willing to bet that you're basically breaking even when costs are put in on selling and managing the phones and you make all your money on uh, potentially accessories and repairs. And, and I don't know if these guys do repairs in their store like Apple does, but like I bet you your gross margins on phone cases are 90%. And I bet your gross margins on the stuff that Cricket has you selling is 15 to 20%. You're just breaking even on it. That would be my guess uh, as to how this is all set up that really how you make your money is on those ancillary things, not, not on direct, the direct business, if that makes sense. Do you think that the dynamics of this being cricket is any different than like a Verizon or AT&T? So Verizon or AT&T is typically what would be called postpaid, right? You pay, you get a bill for the, and arrears for the month of service and, you know, they credit check you. The crickets, the boosts are typically prepaid, right? You buy minutes or you buy yeah. months in advance. Uh, so the, the provider isn't taking credit risk. Uh, so you're often, I think, back in the store more often to buy more minutes, you know, or re-up. You can do it online, but I think a lot of people still come in. Um, you know, do you think that the economics are any different because of that? I bet your revenue, I would get, I mean, we're we inner total conjecture thing here, but I bet your just your revenue mix totally shifts, right? Like, as I think through it, somebody who is going to be a, an AT&T customer they're going to be paying, you know, my my monthly mobile bill is two fifty for my whole family, basically, and we have top tier kind of unlimited plans. You know, I bet once you get down to the how do I do a forty nine dollar a month plan or how do I like do the bare minimum with data caps and all that kind of stuff, those aren't going to be people like the two fifty prepaid ones 
you know, who are going to walk in and drop 50 bucks on a, on a, on a case that costs you $2 and not think twice about it. But, you know, I think you're going to have a lot more penny pinching type folks, but yeah, I think the other thing is you're going to see these people a lot. Like there's probably a lot of cash based people who are coming in every month and it's like, okay, I need to, I need to up my phone for the next three months. Here's $150. Uh, and you're doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, just they're harder to upsell to those other things we were talking about. Yep. Yep. Okay. So am I wrong here? Like, is this maybe not a terrible business? What do you think, Michael? I, I think it's not a bad business to be in. Look, I think, I think the pain in the butt here is the type of customer you're dealing with. Like my, my buddy owns uh buy here, pay here, uh, auto dealerships. Are you familiar with that model? Yep. Yeah. Like they totally target like this end of the market, like the unbanked, the paycheck to paycheck type folks. And like, they're kind of both good and bad customers, right? They're good in that oftentimes, you know, you're, you're, they're pretty straightforward. They show up with cash and they, you take care of them. Um, they're bad in that they're always like just living right on the edge, right? So I bet you're dealing with a lot of pain in the butt kind of customers with all of this versus kind of one of the flagship brands. Um, so that would be my kind of question about this. Like, if you look at the pain in the ass factor here, like owning this business, right? You have six crickets. Okay. So they're spread across Chicago land and they gave us the addresses of them. Uh, then you're, you're netting 34,000 a month, uh, across all of them. You know, at a certain point, this problem with this deal is you're like at a scale where like you're either dealing with the pain in the butt of how do I staff and keep six stores running well and all the, you know, when the air conditioning breaks and all that, I mean, there's just going to be a continual stream of pain in the butt stuff going on here. And you're like right at that cusp of, can I hire a good person to run this for me? And, you know, once you do the math here, my guess is the net income is the owner is owner operating these. Let's say you're going to replace them with somebody good. That's going to cost you 125 to 150,000 a year all in with benefits and everything. And the car, they're going to need to go drive through all these places. Like it gets, it gets really thin at that point, right? It, we're doing a multiple of SDE here and the job is kind of a pain in the ass. Like managing six low end stores like this, like, like it's a grind. That's the best way I could just describe it. And there, this isn't at scale, unfortunately. Like this would be much cooler if it was 15 of these things, but six, like mm, in kind of a no man's land. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the problem. Even if it's at 15, like, yeah, it's a bigger business, but damn, you still got 15, right? Like the unit economics on one of these are just not very lucrative. So to have a a business of any scale. I mean, this business is hardly scale. It makes $400,000 a year, as you said, and it's got six stores. You know, you're running pretty hard to make $80,000 net a store, less again, as you said, a manager. So even if you scale this up, I mean, if you had a hundred of these, it's it would be really complex and still not that big a business. That's the only thing that bums me out about it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why, that's why you see all of these guys from FedEx to Amazon to AT&T, like, uh, and Subway's another great example, right? Like these big corporations have figured out that if they are the franchisor, they can capture almost all the economics. And then they have somebody who's just willing to bust their butt and is trapped, right? Like you, you, let's say you're this guy and the company's making 400,000 a year there's, you're in, you're in a tough situation. You're not really making enough to keep growing the business. 
because it costs you a build out and all this kind of investment to get each store up to speed. But also you can't go make that kind of money doing something else. So basically you end up just like as a person making a ton of money, but working your ass off, right? It's the, it's kind of the iBanker trade-off, right? You're going to have a terrible life, but you're going to make 2 million a year. Would you, would you like to sign up for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them, unfortunately, are folks that are kind of vulnerable on the entrepreneurial spectrum. And you end up with, I think, like the Subway situation where like Subway is a terrible franchisor in terms of taking care of its franchisees and just just beats the hell out of them. Um, and they work their ass off for not much money. And so that's what this totally feels like. And I don't know, have you dug in recently into kind of like the economics of what the Amazon third-party delivery people go through? Have you looked at it recently? I have not dug in deeply. I have heard it's not great. So I have a buddy uh, who owns one um, like in a nearby town and he he has it set up, I think, pretty good where there is a general manager that he partners with who owns part of the business. But by mm-hmm. and large, like it's this it's my buddy's name on the majority of it and he captures the majority of the economics. Um, and basically, like every month, Amazon basically just tells him how much money he's going to make. Like, that's it. There's just no, I was like, so can you like make more money? He's like, only if Amazon tells me I can. Uh, can you make less money? Yeah, well, Amazon just kind of figures out what is like that that equilibrium point, And then they just keep hammering me until I get to it. And that's just the way it works. And this feels like exactly the same thing. Like Cricket has realized they can trap you in this stuff and they're going to capture all the economics. Um, so anyway, other than that, that's a great deal. <laughs> yep. Do you think so – this is what I'm trying to figure out. Like is this a durable business, like a franchisee of cricket? I mean, yeah, okay, the margins are not great. Your franchisor is trying to extract from you. Um, but like is this business around in 25 years or does this all go online? You know, Or is there always going to need to be the need for a cricket wireless store? You know, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like eSIM, just the new iPhone is eSIM only. There's, there's no more SIMs. Like they can ship it to you, activate it remotely. You know, at what point do you not need a Cricket Wireless store and you just need a cell phone case store? And if you're that, why aren't people buying it on Amazon? Like, does this need to exist long term? I think long term, it definitely needs to exist. I don't know if it'll exist at the same scale. Um, you know, I've talked to the AT&T store people when I go in um, and they're like, yeah, like the past post COVID, like our, the need for these like physical stores to exist has like basically diminished because they've taken, let's say the 80% of what they were doing and totally pushed it online. Um, you know, and then on top of that, you have Apple trying to, it used to be, for example, like when I would upgrade an iPhone, I had to go take it in, swap out the SIM in the store and then they would register in the computer. Now, like, Apple just totally like I buy my phone from Apple and like in the background, it just clicks and like, okay, I'm, and my number just gets ported over eSIM and I'm done. So yeah. I think, I think I'm more worried about this business if it's a bunch of AT&T stores and Verizon and flagship stores, cause that's all happening faster. Like I can pay digitally and all that kind of stuff, you know, for this end of the market, I think this will be the last to die. So there's that going on for it. Um, but also like, the story here, like, I'm not so like, as I dig into it, I'm like, wait, why, why are they selling this business? Right? Like in theory, they have negligible, you know, cost basis in terms of starting it up. The thing's doing 35,000 a month, you know, why not instead of selling the whole thing? And I guess maybe the selling for the whole thing is he's getting a ton of money for it. If he gets this asking price or she, she selling the business, but it's also like, this is one where it's like, okay, well, why don't you just hire somebody to run it for you and still just pocket 20,000 a month? Um, 
So there's that aspect of it that just doesn't make sense. And I would want to figure out what's going on in this market that maybe I just don't know that an insider totally knows. Yeah. Well, there's another interesting aspect based on what you've got on the screen here, the PDF that breaks down the gross revenue for each of the stores. You mentioned it earlier, a couple of these stores kill it. A couple of these stores are barely breaking even yeah. um, and barely breaking even probably in a marginal neighborhood, you know, with staff that's unreliable. Like there's a, there's a lifestyle tax on barely, barely breaking even. So when, if I were looking at this business, I would be looking pro forma. What if I close these stores? Yeah. Does this, you know, does that make the business better? Maybe it does. It might make it a little smaller, but probably not very much smaller on the profit line. Um, what, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it looks like to, to your point, I hadn't noticed before this. That's a great observation. Store number two and store number six. So they list each store's rental rate and then they list each store's gross. Um, and it's actually interesting. They're most their highest rent stores are actually the ones that are the least profitable and the money losers. Look at this. So here they have this one at 7613 Roosevelt Road, 1400 square feet, paying 5500 a month for their retail spot to the strip strip mall owner. Uh, it's grossing $4,200 a month. They are losing money on two of these stores. So I think, I think these grosses actually mean to be labeled net because if you add them ah. up, it gets to about $34,000, which is the net income per month. Um, so I think, you know, but to your point, Michael, one of these stores makes $10,000 a month, if we're interpreting this correctly. And one of these stores makes $4,000 a month, right? Less than half as much. So how much pain in the ass overhead, you know, general management factor is there here in store number six, which makes $4,000 a month versus store number five, which makes $10,000 a month. Yeah. You know, so I would be thinking about, hey, dude, I don't want to buy your three crappiest stores. I just want to buy the three good ones um, because I went to cricket.com while you're talking, Michael, there's a link in the footer that says become an authorized retailer. Like you don't go to the McDonald's website and it says become a franchisee. Like you got to be invited. Yeah. Right? But cricket, it looks like you fill out an online form and boom, you're an authorized retailer. So I would wonder, you know, how much of this is the importance of this business is site selection, right? Where yeah. I would say, you know, I got I could spend a million too to buy this guy's kind of half good, half crap site selection? Or do I take my million two and, you know, go to Cricket and say, I'm opening five stores and I figure out how to do my homework right and open five good ones? Super interesting. Well, I think it also, what you just said highlights kind of the the mind the the mind f like the the disc the discontinuity whatever the word is it's friday sorry uh but about franchise choosing what franchise to be in you actually want to choose the franchises that aren't advertised and aren't going through franchise brokers so like every city has these like franchise uh conventions we just had one in san antonio where it's like oh big franchise convention and it's just the people trying to sell the met are not very good franchises, which are not the ones you want to be in. The franchises you actually want to be in are the good ones and they don't have to go pay those people brokerage fees. And they have people lined up across, you know, across the street trying to buy in. And that's the orange theories, right? The McDonald's, uh, crumble cookies is another one. Like crumble cookies isn't advertising through some stupid franchise convention because every single one of their locations is printing money right now and people are lined up to do it. And I, so I think you have a situation where, you know, like, if you see a franchise that's like, hey, sign up right now to be a franchisee, either it's just getting started or it's one to run the hell away from like a subway, for example, that, that it's just going to try to track you, tra trap you and capture all the economics. And cricket, I think, is definitely in that bucket. Um, 
And I'm with you, Bill. I think you asked a great question. Like, is this a long-term future thing? You know, would I, would I rather own one of these in terms of the future shift in technology or would I rather own a Dairy Queen or a, or, or a try to get an orange theory? Like those, those two latter ones definitely seem like they have much more of a future than this does. Yeah. And there's all kinds of franchises. I mean, I don't, I don't think Michael for you, but I certainly don't mean to poop on franchises. Franchises can be a really interesting business model, uh, especially for people who are a little bit more risk averse and they want a template. Franchises can freaking print money. Like if you yep. are a great operational executor and you can build up a portfolio of lucrative franchises, I have seen uh, the joke is right that McDonald's has made more millionaires than anyone else. Like they in their franchisees, uh, they got the the main character from the Blind Side. Right. I forget his name, but like a multi-million, like a lot of money on McDonald's franchises. So they can be good businesses, but you got to pick well and then you got to be a good operator. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's I, it's funny that people really bemoan the death of Main Street America and entrepreneurship like in America. But like all we did was just take a bunch of crappy like Main Street style stuff that wasn't very good, cafes, little hardware stores, little business to business services businesses, and then turn those into standardized national chains through franchises. And those franchisees are like great operators, right? And like my favorite example, have I talked to you about the little UPS store in my in my in my in my town, like right down the street? I don't think so specifically. No, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I went to, I went in there yesterday and like everything is immaculate. Like the staff is like clean pressed button downs, like somebody ironed their shirts that morning, like just immaculate, like everything's super well organized. The signage is all like, when was the last time you went into a store and like the signs were perfectly leveled because the, the, the owners did that, like just amazing. And I've talked to the, the owners and they're just like this little old couple who was retired and like totally bored with life. So they run a UPS store and it's like low stress. They get to say hi to everybody in my town. Like it's just perfect. Right. Um, and like, they're beautiful, beautiful little operators, beautiful little setup. And it's like a huge win of like entrepreneurship on rails. And like, I love it. Like, I just, I go in there and I'm like, you guys are doing so great. And they're like, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, it's like, it's so, being a business nerd, yeah. you go in and like give people high fives for doing a good job. And they're like, what? <laughs> so that's, that's me. Well, it's important to know too, like everybody thinks franchise and think restaurant. But restaurants yeah. or franchises rather can be Cricket Wireless, like I think Sherwin Williams, uh, UPS Store, Roto Rooter, like even some of these home services are franchises. Painters, there's a lot of painting franchises. I mean, you name it, it's been franchised, right? Uh, laundromats, I'm, at, I'm an investor in a laundromat franchise uh, called uh, Laundro Lab. So they'll teach you how to open a laundromat and you know do it all right and broker your relationship with Electrolux for the dryer, the washers, dryers. All that. So like if you want to start a business, franchise is not terrible, but just you can't get you can get ripped off, man, by the franchise brokers, unscrupulous franchisors. Um, you gotta pick the right one. Um, but by you know, by and large, franchising can be okay if you pick your spot. Totally. And for the right person. Yeah, that's that's totally it. Me me personally, I hate rules. There's no way I could be a franchisee uh, unless there was some insulation where I didn't have to follow a bunch of rules that somebody was telling me how to do stuff I thought was stupid. So cool. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good one. Good one. Yeah, I, lo yeah, I love playing by Biz Cell Roulette. <laughs> love it. All right. Live Oak Bank, my favorite SBA lenders in the whole country. Uh, thank you to Live Oak. Thank you to Heather as well uh, for being a longtime friend and sponsor of the pod. That wraps it up for this week on Acquisitions Anonymous. We'll see you guys next time.